0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 10. 1 Kings, chapter 10. Uh, We'll read the whole chapter tonight. Um, The book of 1 Kings, you'll remember, is about the reign of King Solomon. Um, And uh, as the author of this book wrote wrote it uh, for the sake of recording... Uh, the reasons for God's judgments upon uh, his uh, people in the uh, final uh, destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, their future disobedience. Yet the author of 1 Kings um, front loads the book with the description of the glories of Solomon's reign. And when we come to chapter ten, we are pretty much at the apex. We are at the very top of the pinnacle of the description of the glory of Solomon. And what we're going to see in this chapter is that uh, he has been uh, he has been given so much wisdom, so much wealth that he has um, uh, that the the nations about him uh, come to uh, observe and to hear his wisdom. And that's uh, the subject of chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10, uh, we'll read the whole chapter. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. And there was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, and the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendants of of his servants their clothing his cupbearers and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord there was no more breath in her and she said to the king the report was true that i heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom but i did not believe the reports until i came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. And then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great num- amount of uh, almigwood and precious stones. And the king made the Almagwood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almigwood has come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. And so she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, besides that which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants from all the kings of the west and from the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. And the king also made a a great ivory throne, and overlaid it with the finest gold. And the throne had six steps, and the throne had a round top. And on each side of the seat were armrests, and two lions standing beside the armrests, while twelve lions stood there, one on each end of a step on the six steps. And the like of it was never made in any kingdom All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea and a fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought him, brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, Spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew. And the king's traders received them from Kew at a price. And a chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the king's of Syria. So ends the reading of this chapter of God's word. Let us pray. Almighty God, we do give praise to you that you have revealed yourself as the God who has done great and mighty things all through history. From the time of of Adam on through Noah and uh, then the call of Abraham and the blessings of the covenant that you gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and on through into the period of slavery in Egypt, and then their deliverance in the Exodus, and then you're bringing them again, once again, into freedom and the enjoyment of uh, the inheritance that you had provided for them in the Promised Land. And now, finally, we see, O Lord, that you have installed your king on Mount Zion. And there you have taken your residence among your people in the Ark of the Covenant and in that glorious temple that you ordained that Solomon should build. There you dwelt among your people. And here in Solomon's reign, O God, we see your great and mighty works. We see, O Lord, uh, even something that points forward to something much greater. So we ask, Lord, as we approach this text, that you would help us to see Uh, that which is much greater even than Solomon. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, description of Solomon's uh, wealth and the description of Solomon's wisdom is uh, such that as you read this chapter, you cannot read it and not come away with that, that uh, overriding sense that, um, as the title that I chose for this sermon, one there is above all others, that uh, Solomon exceeded and was uh, blessed to an extent that no other king had ever uh, had been blessed before. In fact, uh, this is the fulfillment of the Lord's promise to him that he gave uh, earlier in this book in chapter 3, where the Lord said, I will give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. And I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare to you, with you, all your days. And so, as we read this, we're we're, uh, struck by that, and the theme really is brought out in verse 23. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. So the teaching of this chapter is this, that King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth. King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth. And uh, we can see this in uh, three ways in this uh, chapter. And uh, these uh, are the major headings of, the, of my sermon tonight. First, we see the uh, excellence of Solomon over all the kings of the earth in the description that is given of the Queen of Sheba and her response to Solomon when she visited to see with her own eyes if what she had heard was true. Uh, the, uh, the response of the Queen of Sheba to Solomon. So the second thing that we notice that brings out this truth is that is the description given of Solomon's great wealth. You remember the, the description of the shields that he had built, that he uh, were, were uh, covered with, with gold. Uh, the description of his uh, drinking vessels. But the description of the throne that Solomon had constructed as well, all of this is just to, in a sense, uh, leave us in, with a sense of awe as we think about the wealth that uh, God blessed Solomon with. So that's the second thing, the description of Solomon's great wealth. And that's found in verses 14 through 22 and 26 through 29. The third thing in this chapter that we see as evidence of the, of Uh, the fact that Solomon exceeded all the other kings of the earth, is the description given of those visits from other dignitaries or representatives from other nations that, as it were, continually flowed to Jerusalem. Something that uh, it says, all during Solomon's days, there were people uh, coming to Jerusalem to hear his wisdom. And so Solomon is presented as almost one who gave instruction to uh, those, in, uh, those who were representatives of their own nations. And in this way, the word about the God of Israel um, and the blessings of God through the covenant that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of this knowledge of God, uh, Solomon uh, gives to those that come to him. So those are the three ways in which we see that uh, Solomon uh, excelled all the kings of the earth. So first of all, then, we see, that, uh, we see this in the response of the Queen of Sheba to uh, Solomon when she comes to visit. And it's interesting, we're told in the beginning of this chapter that the Queen of Sheba, who, we're not told her name, and that's, that's interesting, we're not told her name, we're told that she is the Queen of Sheba. And uh, she uh, heard of Solomon's fame. And uh, I think the Hebrew is interesting. uh, The literal translation of the Hebrew there is that she heard the hearing of Solomon. She heard the hearing of Solomon. So the translators translate that hearing of Solomon as fame. And uh, the accounts of Solomon uh, had been heard, and she heard the hearing of Solomon. She heard of his fame, fame for his building projects that he had uh, engaged in: building his own palace, building the uh, top, the uh, the um, the forest that, of Lebanon, building the temple. Uh, his building projects. She heard of the news about Solomon's great uh, wisdom that God had bestowed uh, upon Solomon. And so she came, and we're told that she came with a great retinue. Uh, and she came bearing um, uh, camels, bearing spices, much gold, precious stones. And it says that she came to Solomon. And she told him all that was on her mind. And we get the sense that not only was she someone of some great substance herself, someone of importance uh, for her to be able to have all of this and to bring this to Jerusalem uh, and to meet with Solomon, but we see that uh, she is someone who is honestly... Seeking to know the truth about what she has heard. And she comes uh, as a sincere seeker after truth. And that is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful quality to be someone who has heard of something but wants to search it out more and wants to. Verify that what we have heard is in fact true. That is a good thing. Um, uh, uh, Philip Ryken, in uh, his comment on that, says that she was a skeptic of the healthiest kind. Although she did not believe everything that she heard, she was always open to believing the truth. She was open to believing the truth, and you know we look about us today, and one of the things that we 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 see around us today is uh, everyone has hardened opinions, and uh, um, it is a it is a great thing uh, when uh, people who uh, have strong uh, biblical opinions, but it is also true that we ought to be those who are seeking to be in further instructed, seeking. To know more of uh, what we have heard to be true, she is a seeker after truth. That's the first thing we notice about her. And it says that Solomon told that she told Solomon all that was on her mind. She asked Solomon all of the questions that she had, and um, it also tells us uh, the text tells us that Solomon, there was nothing hidden from the king that he could. Not explain to her what a great thing you know how many of us have been asked questions that uh, we would very much like to explain the answers in a much more uh, uh, um, convincing way than we, we are gifted or able to do, but here is one who is able by god 's help to him to to give answers that were that were uh, were full and satisfying for her as she was asking those questions. And so uh, it's a good thing to be uh, honestly seeking after the truth, and it is a wonderful thing to see here in this uh, man, this King Solomon, that God had blessed him with supernatural revelation. I think we have to consider it to be that, that God has blessed him with a supernatural revelation and has uh, has hidden nothing from him, and uh, then uh, we're told that in in verse four, that uh, when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, and, and notice how in verse four that uh, she it mentions the house that he built. So it, this is probably a reference to his own house, and uh, it, it she sees the food. It, all these things are itemized. You notice that in verse four. Uh, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers. And then it also points to the fact that uh, Solomon invited her to a worship service, his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. She observed and witnessed the worship at the temple. We're told that when she saw all of this, that there was no more breath in her, and that phrase "no more breath," uh, we 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 refer to that as uh, you, know, you know something taking our breath away, right? There's there's this sense of amazement, and and, and uh, that that you know, it, she feels overwhelmed by what she sees, what she observes, not merely the wisdom of Solomon, but the orderliness, the way in which things are arranged, the way in which things are done. It is all done in such a way that it points to uh, the great organizational skills and the uh, gifts that God had given Solomon in the setting up of his own household. And so she observed all of this and there was no more breath. She was blown away. So the words uh, blown away or, or no breath in her really describe her coming, I think, to the end of her search for truth. Uh, she hears and she, and she goes to check on what she has heard. She, she is, she's presented with things that lead her that, to think that she had, hadn't even heard the half of what what was really the case, and she is fully, fully convinced. She is fully convinced, and she is in a state of awe and wonder at what she sees. It sort of points to this, um, maybe this, as Reichen uh, referred to it, a certain skepticism and a resistance and um, not being satisfied until... Uh, questions are asked and answered, uh, and then, but uh, when that is done and when she sees everything, all resistance dissipates and flows away, and there's no more breath in her. She is convinced uh, not even the half, she says, has been told me. And so she's a seeker after truth, and she finds it. What a, bu- what a blessed thing, what a wonderful thing to know that which we seek after, to come to know uh, what God has revealed. Notice as well that uh, in verse 9 that she uh, praises God. She praises God. And in the verses prior to verse 9 she says to the king, uh, the report was true that I had heard But I did not believe the reports until I came and with my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half has not been told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Verse 8, Happy are your men, happy are your servants, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Uh, So she recognizes that as she herself has been filled with awe and wonder at the wisdom and the things that were revealed to her by Solomon. She thinks, what would it be like to be here all the time? What would it be like to be able to uh, work in this environment? What would it be like to hear this? And she imagines that Solomon's servants, must all be exceedingly happy. But she goes in verse 9 and she says, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Verse 9, she breaks out in praise, the praise of God. She praises uh, the Lord who has delighted in Solomon and set him on the throne of Israel. And she acknowledges the love and the delight that the Lord has had upon both Solomon and Israel as the people of God. The Lord loved uh, the, the Lord has delighted in you and set you on the throne, and the Lord loved Israel forever. Now here is a, 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 a Gentile uh, who we presume does not know the Lord, but here she acknowledges the love that God has bestowed, the covenant love that God has bestowed upon his people to give them such a kingdom. You know there is a uh, universal longing <laughs> for for righteousness. There is a universal longing for the execution or the the, the exercise of justice. There is a universal longing to see uh, to know God's unchanging uh, truth. Uh, but uh, men uh, are un- incapable of finding it. And uh, yet here the Lord has revealed himself in such a way to uh, Solomon and to this woman who has come and she blesses the Lord. Now some people I know uh, when they hear these words from her um, are hesitant to say that she came to a real and saving faith uh, and that this is an expression of saving faith. And others, uh, uh, hearing Jesus, and we're going to refer to this a little bit later, hearing Jesus refer to the Queen of Sheba as rising up in the time of the judgment and condemning those who refuse to come to one who is greater than Solomon, uh, Jesus says to them that the Queen of Sheba will rise and uh, condemn you in judgment against you for your failure to believe in me uh, he says basically to the Pharisees and so I'm of the persuasion and I, I, I'm i most comfortable with thinking of her as coming to a as a Gentile who has previously not known God uh, through the ministry of Solomon communicating to her about God's blessings upon Israel and the way Israel has become the treasured possession of God in the covenant relationship that she has come to believe this is being true that she has come to know the God of Israel. I'm perfectly comfortable uh, thinking uh, along those lines although I wouldn't stake my, my uh, life on it but, and there are various opinions on that just to, just to say that and so uh, she gives praise to God. She grasps uh, something here that is truly wonderful. Um, and then she gives Solomon's gift, Solomon's gifts. She had come with all of these things, you see, all of the, 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 the uh, spices, uh, gold, precious stones. And then it says in, in verse uh, 10 that she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great Quantity of spices and precious stones. And uh, the writer says, never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. And so uh, we see here that uh, she gives her gifts to Solomon. And in, uh, we're going to see that in verse 13, that Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired. And this is beside what was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. So, so basically the idea is that he had already arranged for certain things to be given to this, uh, this person. And then over and above that, which uh, he had arranged to have given to her, he gave everything that she saw that she asked for. And again, it is a striking thing to notice that, that she offers... Gives to Solomon. Solomon, in turn, offers more to her. And there is this exchange back and forth. As a token of respect, as a token of, of uh, uh, maybe there was some kind of a, a treaty that was agreed to, whatever it might be, uh, but there is this exchange that takes place and that she gives and Solomon gives as well. So the first way in which we see the uh, greatness of Solomon is through the Queen of Sheba. and This is the primary uh, evidence of it in this chapter. And then more briefly, just to know the great wealth of Solomon that is referred to in uh, verses uh, 14 uh, through uh, the end of 22. And here the description is of the shields that Solomon made. Uh, Two hundred large shields of beaten gold, and six hundred shekels of gold go into each of these large body sized shields. And then uh, the th- uh, he he made three hundred shields of beaten gold. Uh, three minas of gold went into each one. And so these are smaller shields. And all of these he placed in the house of the forest of Lebanon, which is one of the one of the great buildings that he built in the in the palace complex. And then in the throne. Uh, the throne is described in great detail. The throne had six steps going up to it. And it had a round top and on each side of the seat there were armrests and two lions standing uh, beside the armrests. And then while the twelve lions stood there, one on each end of each step. So you can imagine this huge throne with these carved lions And notice the language. The like of it was never made in any kingdom. And so you see that the writer intends for us to see something of the greatness in which Solomon uh, is seen, even in these things that he has made. And then it describes uh, the the vessels that uh, were used there. They were all of pure gold. Nothing was of silver. The king... Uh, uh silver had become a, v- a very common thing. And so the writer describes the great wealth of Solomon uh, evidenced in all these things. Moving quickly to the third thing that we see that uh, evidences com- uh, that Solomon exceeds all the kings of the nations is that, <clears throat> and we see this in verse 23, The king Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Notice verse 24. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. What a a statement. The whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. Uh, Every uh, year there are certain ministries in, in, in the country... They have uh, yearly conferences. Some of you have gone to the Ligonier Conference. Some of you have gone to uh, other uh, conferences. I know that I can't think of of, uh, the names of them off the top of my head. You know what they are. And uh, so think about Jerusalem as holding a great conference and people coming from all over the earth uh, to hear Solomon speak. And uh, you, you think of the Proverbs of Solomon or the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and you can imagine some of the content of that which Solomon may have shared with them. And so Solomon has these people streaming to Jerusalem to hear him. The Queen of Sheba is one person who came and she is given in her visit is described in detail, but I think we're to understand that she is one among many who have come, the whole earth. Now, obviously, um, th- that's intended to mean that Gentiles from uh, all around the world came to hear Solomon. This is one of the places we often think of the, the responsibility of Israel to be a light to the nations, and we often uh, refer to the fact that uh, she failed utterly in that task. The book of Kings is going to show us how that is the case. But here, the author of 1 Kings settles down on this and describes for us in great detail the way in which Solomon becomes the teacher of the nations and brings the knowledge of God And the knowledge of the wisdom that God had given him to the whole earth. And I think that this is a picture, this picture of the nation streaming to Solomon. Is intended also to, I think this is one of the ways, we're seeing it in the book of Revelation, right? One of the ways in which prophecy takes place, it gives you a picture of something. But it's meant to point to something else. And this is a picture, the, it's real history, this is not apocalyptic, it's real, Solomon is real, and all of this really happened. But God works in history to bring about events that are, that are real in themselves, but also point to something greater. I think that's the purpose here. There is a picture given of the, the greatness of Solomon's wisdom and wealth and the nations streaming to him. And it is, as it were, a prophecy of something future to come. And I think Solomon was, himself was aware of it. One psalm that was written by Solomon is Psalm 72. And in Psalm 72, verses 8 and following, listen to these words. And Solomon is praying about a future king. He says... May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And may desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. And may the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. And may all the kings fall down before him And all nations serve him. Long may he live. May the gold of Sheba be given to him. And may prayer be made for him continually. And blessings invoked for him all the day. That's Psalm 72. Who is this that Solomon realizes is a greater king? Spoken of also by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 60. The Lord will arise upon you, the prophet says, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the nations shall come to your light. It's an interesting phrase. The nations shall come to your light. It's, uh, coming to your light doesn't necessarily involve travel. The nation shall come to your light, and the kings of the brightness of your rising. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All these from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Isaiah 60, verses 2 and 3. One there is who is above all others before whom all the nations will bow they will come to his light and they will bow before him remember that the gospel of matthew describes for us a picture of this as well when matthew tells us of wise men who were from the east they came to jerusalem they said who is this who has been born king of the jews Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Ha! Gentile kings coming to Jerusalem, coming to Israel, coming to Bethlehem and offering gifts to a king. The attraction of the surrounding peoples for Solomon gives us a glimpse of the attraction of the nations for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who stands behind all of this, for he is the one of whom it is said, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you know that? As wise as Solomon was, the wisdom that he received, he received from the one who has all wisdom and knowledge. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who is full of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus said, I, when I am lifted up, from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. I love the line uh, from one of the lines uh, in St. Augustine where he refers to faith as a journey. The reason I'm mentioning journey is just because we're thinking about the journey of the Magi and the journey of the Queen of Sheba, all made with great difficulty in planning. Augustine thinks of life as a journey But he thinks of faith, the act of faith, as a movement of the soul. A movement of the soul that doesn't require moving in space. But it is a movement nevertheless. He says, let us look upon this purification of faith as a kind of journey or a voyage to our native land. It is not by change of place that we come nearer to him, but by the cultivation of pure desire. You see, God has exalted Jesus Christ, and he's bestowed upon him a name that is above every name, that we who are Gentiles may come that we may come and offer him not physical gifts, but our very selves. We've just gone through Christmas time, and uh, I think it was Nancy Hart, who we were talking one time, and I told her, one of my favorite Christmas um, carols is the drummer boy, uh, the little drummer boy. And uh, the reason is, he says, I have nothing to give, but he says, can I play for you? And that is the position that we find ourselves in, isn't it? We have nothing of any importance to give. But we can give ourselves. We can give our hearts. And we can do, like the wise men, only give to Jesus our very love, our faith, and our trust. What is faith in Christ? It is to understand Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel. How is he offered? As a crucified and risen Savior. As the one who sits upon the throne of his majesty in the heavenly places. And we, as we hear the gospel... We come to the One who is the King of Glory, and we are in awe of His wealth. Notice how the Book of Ephesians describes the the superabundance of the grace of God in Christ. We are in awe of Him, and we love Him, and we place our lives and our very future in His hand. Isn't that what it means to believe? How do you respond to Jesus Christ? If the Queen of Sheba could travel 1,500 miles with a great retinue, much planning and much trouble to search out all of these things because she had heard about them, didn't believe them, and wanted to find out if they were true, can you open your Bible, and read the gospel accounts of the one who is said to be greater than Solomon and search to find out if what you have heard about him is true. How sad if we don't. How sad if we don't seek to know, as the Queen of Sheba did, when the unbelieving scribes and the Pharisees demanded from Jesus that he show them a sign. And if he showed them a sign, they might believe in him. He said to them, no sign shall be given to you. Then he went on and he said, the queen of Sheba will rise up at the judgment with this generation and will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, Something greater than Solomon is here. Indeed, it is true. Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, is greater than Solomon. And you and I ought to be like all of those travelers through Solomon's Jerusalem and be in awe and wonder at the glory the absolute glory and beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or else, if we don't, if we are apathetic, we make no journey, and it does not really concern us, there may be a lady on Judgment Day that rises up and points her finger at us Ralph Davis, who has a commentary on this, and some of you may know him, some of you may not, but he he has a folksy way of commenting on these things, and I can't help but just borrow his words here. He says, don't dare patronize this royal lady, because unless you bow before the Son of God, you will see her striding into the judgment hall and pointing her finger." what a savior we have what a king we have king of glory may it be that we would have our breath taken away may it be that we would say of him the half has not been known and not been told us but may it also be that we would use every effort and every means to know truthfulness of that which we have heard of this great King. May it be so. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ whom you have given to us to be our Savior and our King and in this chapter we have seen something of the, the glories that you have bestowed upon this earthly King we realize that we have but a glimpse of the one who is our heavenly king. Oh, Lord, may we be in awe of him. May we love him. May we seek him. And may we give our lives to him. May we learn from him. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a hymn of response, let's uh, stand together and sing...